right? It's a lot of work about who are you really, right? Get rid of your shoes. Let's get rid of your shirts. Let's get rid of all the external things. Who are you really? And identify yourself, figure that out. And now live true to that identity. And that you can help a, you can help a student develop in themselves of who am I really? Welcome back to Think Torah. This is Around the Shabbos Table. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to tell you that we have on my brother, Yona Wogelanter, who is a Rebbe, as I will introduce, in Yeshiva in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona. And I love to try to promote the things that I believe in, and I believe that this Yeshiva and the things they're doing for their Talmidim, as you will hear, my praise for him and for his Yeshiva um, in the episode. But for now, for those of you who either stumbled upon wads of cash and are looking for something to support or those whose hearts are open and you realize that uh, it doesn't really matter where this community and where this yeshiva is but it's something that you can support they are running a community bikeathon that all the proceeds for that go to the yeshiva high school of arizona and yeshiva high school of arizona building fund and it allows these boys and this wonderful community to keep on serving um, their their members and so that Children and boys can have a quality yeshiva with quality mechanchem and educators, both, um, and they can get a good, awesome education. Um, and they are running a bikeathon. I will put that. I will put the link to it in the show description. So if you are interested, please go check it out and support a really terrific cause. With that being said, let's welcome in Yona and let's get started with the round the Shabbos table. Welcome back, dear friends, dear listeners, to all of you. Welcome back to a, another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. This is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network. Check us out at intentionaljew.com. We got some really good stuff up there. And um, awesome, an awesome week for our family. We are celebrating a big simcha. Um, my, my oldest brother is celebrating and uh, his son, becoming a bar mitzvah. And that's an awesome simcha for our family. And it sort of allows us to stretch our Shabbos table in a bit. And uh, this is the my welcome to our guest. I'm here with my father, um, the father. And our Shabbos table is really wide. My father is in New Jersey. I'm in Israel. And we get to welcome in my brother all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. So it's really an exciting um, an exciting time. Also, it's our first uh, our first Shabbos guest. So around the Shabbos table now becomes uh, a wogi fest, if you will. Uh, to introduce my brother, he's uh, he's a an educator and a rebbe in yeshiva in Phoenix. Um, I think we would put him in the category of the rebbe who cares, the rebbe who thinks about his talmidim when he closes the gemara, and. For those of you who are not educators or do not have children in uh, in the yeshiva system or have never really seen this um, or experienced the yeshiva system, this is a huge advantage when your rebbe um, cares about you and your and the rebbe worries about the child. You send your children sometimes very far away from home uh, to go to yeshiva and to learn Torah. And when the rebbe worries about the the things in his life, that's very important. And I know that about my brother, and I know that. 
that's what uh, helps him educate these these boys in such a beautiful way. Um, so that that is the brother, and that's how I that's how I introduce him. So his name is Yona, and welcome to the welcome to around the Shabbos table, Yona. Thank you. That's very high praise coming from you. So I appreciate that. You know, um, just uh, to to break that for a second, I, my uh, my favorite Rebbe was was Rebbe Adler in Israel, who. I think the reason that what sold me on him is that he's a bit shorter than I and never wouldn't put his arm around my shoulder. And he would, he would almost have to stand on a chair, but he, you know, he knew that it, it, it meant something when he made that, that effort and that he showed that he cared about me uh, more than the tests and more than the, the, my, my um, performance in the class, in the classroom. And that, that really made a, a huge impact on me. So I see that, I see that in you as well. And your, uh, your Talmudim are, are very lucky. So I've said that for years that, that the Rebbe who you're closest with from your yeshiva experience, um, that you, you might've thought that it, it would be the, the biggest Tamil Chacham, the biggest Lamdan. Um, but often it's the one who, who just cared about you the most. And the two could be the same, but are often somehow, somewhat not. Um, and, and, and very much the, the Rebbe who just cared about you, and in a in a personal way, is is the one who you remain closest with throughout your life. It's the difference between a teacher and a mechanic. You know, a teacher can teach great information, but a mechanic is somebody who can get into your kishkas and just care and help you grow. Cool. Um, so today, my dear listeners, I want to bring you into sort of this thought process, and I. Haven't really mentioned this um, before on the pod, and I'm going to open it up now because it is Parsha Shemos, and this is where this idea was really planted in my head. I'm going to, and it's an idea, we, I, I'll coin it, I'll call it Nechbados, and it comes from the Sefer of Reb Chaim Shmulevetz, who was the Rosh Yeshiva, or uh, of the Mir Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and um, I... I if you ha- if you don't know of the sefer and you're not familiar with it, it's it's originally written in Hebrew, also translated it to English. It's it's pretty good and pretty true to it if you read it in English as well. And it really um, opens up this world of growth and this world of of introspection into yourself through the parsha and through the Torah. It's written on each parsha. Really has nothing to do with each parsha, and that's like the first sentence is the parsha. It's a really important sefer, Sichos Musar by Reb Chaim Shmulevitz. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. There's no affiliate links, so I'm not making any money on the on the on the plug. It's just for the pure um, beauty of of the sefer. And this idea was was planted in my head from Parsha Shemos, and I know that I've discussed this with my brother and both my father, and anybody who comes into my orbit multiple times a day because this this concept is on my head always um when i mentioned that to somebody else they said yeah it's you particularly i don't think everybody deals with it but i i think everybody should i think it's a really important idea again we'll call it nechbadas i'll build it up a little bit and then i i want to send it i want to have a discussion um with these two with these two special people in my in my life whose uh whose ideas on this idea of nechbadas have definitely shaped my life so i'll give you a little background that in this week's parasha we talk about the beginning of the beginning of the slavery of the Jews in Mitzrayim, and 
Rab Chaim points out that the parsha says, and it, and it says in the beginning, that Vayamas Yosef Yosef died, and that whole generation that was along with all of his brothers, and then all of a sudden the Shibud starts, and all of a sudden the slavery starts. So he, the the Chaim points it out, and Rab Chaim brings this to light that the reason why the slavery could only start once the brothers died and once Yosef died was twofold. When the brothers were alive, the Mitzrim and the Egyptians were afraid to start up with the Jews. These were a powerful nation. These were a nation that held of themselves and that were strong. They couldn't put them into slavery. But on the other side, or also on the other side, that the Jews couldn't have been put into slavery because when they felt like they were the children of Joseph and the children of the Shvatim, the Shifteka, they held of themselves in a way that wouldn't allow them to be enslaved. And once they lost that kavod, they lost that self-respect of being part of this generation because that generation was gone, now slavery can come in both on the side of the Mitzrim, that the Mitzrim were able to enslave them, and that the Jews were able to be enslaved um, because of themselves, and they allowed themselves to be enslaved. And Abraham goes on in the next few pages to explain that this self-respect, that this feeling of yourself being important, almost an external expression of kavod, and of, of self-respect, is so important. Not just for slavery, <coughs> not just for slavery, but for doing averos and for doing mitzvos, And it holds you in a certain box that that box won't break. And if a person feels that he's a certain type of person who does or doesn't do an action, that's enough to hold them in and not do it. And that means that the way we present ourselves can affect the averos and the mitzvos that we do. For example, that a person who holds that he's too good to be seen driving on Shabbos because somebody in his position wouldn't drive a car on Shabbos, then even if he didn't necessarily care about driving on Shabbos, he wouldn't do it because he's, he's too chashev and he's too good of a person. He's, he's, you know, he's too important of a person to do it. And that's, that's fascinating. So before I give you why I think that's fascinating, why that's, why that's part of my life, um, I, I invite you to just tell me, tell me how you apply this or where it's applied in your lives. I, I think that, that it's, it's, it's in every single aspect of our lives, this sense of, uh, of, um, our, of our own value and seeing, and seeing ourselves as valuable. I think that as you, you said it beautifully, it, it's nationally, as a, as a Jewish nation, it's something very important to us because the 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 reason why people um, people will tamper with us is because th- they see us as nothing, and because we we see ourselves as nothing, and that because we don't have that sense of nichbaras, we don't have that sense of esteem and that sense of our own value. So then, if we don't have it about ourselves, other people aren't going to have it about us also. It, it has to do also in our own um, religious sphere and with our own kiyom ha-mitzvos, with, with keeping commandments, as you mentioned, that, that, that again, if you don't feel that you are a, a ben melech, that you're, you're royalty, and you don't act in that way, so then that, that you're susceptible to all kinds of, all, all kinds of, of external things. 
But I think that it also has to do with relationships. It has to do with with, with things that if you step outside of the religious sphere, um, the, of the mitzvah sphere, I think that it has to do with the way a person comports himself. I think that when you deal with the issue of bullying, I think that this is a critical component of the issue of bullying. In what way? Because, because I don't think that anybody would bully another person if that person was a person who had a full, developed, healthy sense of self. But that the minute that a bully sees, you know, when we talk about bullying, we're so focused on the bully, on the riches of the bully and how terrible the bully is, which is, you know, that's its own study of, of why a person bullies. And that's a separate issue. But you have to look at the one that's bullied and say, how did that happen? He's not at fault. We don't we don't look at him and say that there's something wrong with him. We need to punish him because he was bullied. But we need to help him. So how do we help him? We teach him how to punch somebody in the nose. We teach him how to fight back. No, we teach him how to to give off, to exude a sense of confidence, to exude a sense of meaning and purpose. I am an epis. I'm a somebody. And if someone's a somebody, then you're not going to be able to take them over. When a person shows that they don't have a sense of their of themselves, a sense of their own importance, you can completely destroy that person. You can you you can take that person and and train them in any direction you want to because they have nothing, no strength of themselves to stand up for what they what what they they want to stand up for and to to portray who they really are. Okay, it's it's yeah, Yoni, you could take it away if you want. So you're saying that that's what happened to the Jews in Egypt, that they basically got bullied by the Egyptians because they they didn't have a, a sense of self-esteem, of self, self-respect, and therefore they were able to be to be manipulated in, in a way um, that they were able to get turned into slaves. It, it, as as Aaron was saying, I, you know, you can really take this you know, on, on a personal level besides for the, the bullying aspect of it. Um, I, I've always understood the, the, the that piece in the Rechaim Shmuel Levitz. He brings it out from a, there's a halacha on Shabbos that you're not allowed to learn by the light of a candle. And he says that there's one exception in the Gemara that if the person is an Adam Chashov, um, then they are allowed to. And the, the reason is because if, if a person is learning by the light of a candle, they might come to turn the candle in order to get better light, in order to be able to, to learn from, from, from the book they're learning from. But if the person is an important person that they have servants who usually would do that for them, then they wouldn't come to do it. And he points out that it's amazing that it's not that if the person is a big Tamukachum, if the person is very careful with mitzvahs, but if just if they are an Adam Chashov and it's just something they wouldn't do, they would never turn the candle themselves. They would never move that. So then you won't have to worry that they would come to do it. And I've always felt that 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 it's the person's view of themselves in 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 how they act towards the world. I, I think it comes out in everything in, in terms of coming on time to davening, um, in terms of in terms of learning, in terms of, of all of the, all, all of the aspects of our lives. That the the what really goes through our minds before is this what I should be doing? Is this not what I should be doing? Is what do I usually do? What do I do? What, what, what's something that I do? So I'd come on time for davening because that's what somebody like me would have to do. That's just what I do in, in these situations. I come on time for davening. Now, it, what was interesting is that it's not necessarily, Reth is really about doing right and wrong. It's not doing what you usually do. And I've understood that this Rukhaim is not telling you the right way to do it. He's telling you to use this as a tool in order to- That's the money shot right there. Exactly. 
that that you that you should establish in yourself this is what i do in order for you to constantly consistently be doing the correct the right thing that you don't even have to be thinking about obviously you're worried about mitzvah anashim elamada you're worried that that you get too used to doing something that it just becomes rote you're not thinking that you're doing a mitzvah at all but to just be in the habit in the in the good habit of doing things that this is just because i do it like i don't have to think to myself it's time for lunch and maybe i should eat dog food I, I don't I, I don't eat dog food. I'm a person. I, it's not it doesn't come into my head as this is something that I do because it's just not in in a the type of person that I am that I'm going to eat something that's below me, and that's it's just a personal type of thing that self respect I guess you would say that a person has about themselves that they they and they can build in that good habits to be able to consistently do the good things and then think about why am I doing this? Oh, I'm doing this because it's a mitzvah. This is also a mitzvah that, that I need to be doing and it's the right thing to be doing. I love how you're bringing out that the, the balance here, the line that you're teetering is the line between, um, it's the line between mitzvah and Hashem al-Mada, just doing things because you do them and doing them with, with purpose and doing them for a reason. But yet there's like this line where you have to do things because you normally do them because they're habit. You have to use habit as a tool, but you can't get too habitual because then then you just cross the line. So it's like you're living in, it. Right, you're it's living in that balance. You're only doing it because it's a habit, not because it's the right thing to do, not because it's a mitzvah. And unfortunately, you do see that sometimes with, with some people that, that I think the Chazanish points this out, that, that you have people who, who keep Shabbos um, in the way that they were brought up to keep Shabbos. But then when there becomes a challenge to that, I think the Chazanish's example is their in-laws are coming and the challenge got turned off. And, and there's just that that's like that push, like maybe I can just plug it in again or maybe I just, you know, need to need to turn it. I left it too high and I need to turn it lower so it doesn't burn. And the, that person is really getting pushed on their Shabbos because they don't typically think about keeping Shabbos. They're just keeping it in the way that they're used to keeping it. And that's where you really start getting challenged in your mitzvahs, in, in your observance of the mitzvahs and things like that. But I want to bring it back a little bit to, to this idea that the the way you see yourself, you know, if I see myself as a person who is who is this kind of person, then a person like me couldn't do, if this is what I'm identifying myself as, then a person like me couldn't do something like this. And I think that that's an important, it's an important check and balance. In other words, if I'm if I'm portraying myself or trying to develop my life as being a Ben Torah, as being a, a certain type of person, then this activity is outside of the the purvey of who I am. And it just it it, it like it like it doesn't pass. And the more I see myself as somebody, so then the more I can stay away from things that are negative, again, without looking at them and saying, oh, that's usser. Like you like you were saying, it's not because it's usser, but it's because it's not a dignified thing for a person like me to do. I remember when I was a kid, we used to to walk home from shul. And you know, I've told you guys this that that when we, we were one of the only Shammar Shabbos people in the shul, and when you would walk down the street from the shul, it was a short street to the main street, and then we lived to the left down two and a half miles. And um, many people lived in, in you know, that part of the neighborhood and other parts, and, uh, but everybody, everybody that walked out of shul would walk to the right because there was a Waldbaum supermarket on like a half a block down. That's where everybody would park. And my father used to say all the time, like when we walk out, we go, it's amazing how many people live in Waldems. And so when we would walk home, we would have to pass a, 
um, a reform, we, we pass a reform synagogue. And for many years, they were building this reform synagogue. And my father was very interested in building and very interested in, in architecture and all of that. And we would always stop and, and they didn't have big fences to keep people out. You know, it was a pretty open, it, it was an open um, uh, work site. And we would stop and we would look inside. And my father would spend a few minutes looking around and seeing what the progress was in the past week. And I was a kid. I'm, I'm wearing a yarmulke. And I'm, and I'm jumping up and down and doing my stuff. One time my father says to me, he says, look, you're wearing a yarmulke. And to the world, you're portraying that you're an Orthodox Jew. You're a religious Orthodox Jew. And they're driving by. And what are they seeing? They're seeing some religious kid jumping up and down, throwing things inside of, a, you know, of, of this construction site, doing things that are not dignified vis-a-vis what you're trying to portray to the world. And that's where, and I, I think I was seven or eight, and that's where, where I got that, the beginning of that, um, of the very important chinuch of understanding that what you're portraying is what you have to be. If this is what, if, if this is of, of what you're portraying, what you're saying you are, so then you have to be consistent with that kind of behavior. And that's the, the, the problem in Mitzrayim was, is that they, they only saw themselves as being royalty and the sons of royalty when Yosef was alive and the brothers were alive. As soon as that generation died, they no longer felt that sense of royalty. And because they weren't portraying that sense of royalty, then in everyone else's eyes, they didn't look like royalty. I want to tell you one other thing. I'm, I'm not going to monopolize, but I just want to, I want to tell you another. I think I've, I've told you guys this story also, but I, I was once traveling. I'll try to make it quick because it's you know it's, it's a good hour story. But I was once traveling on one of these these tickets that that somebody gave me from San Diego to to Erzisol. and it was San Diego to Miami, Miami to Madrid, Madrid to Barcelona, Barcelona to Erzisol. and but Barcelona was it was business class, but it was you know it was so many stops. There was no food from from Miami. To, to Barcelona or to Madrid. I can't remember if it was Madrid or Barcelona. We stopped in first, but there was no food. As we were sitting on the tarmac, the, um, the, the, the pilot comes out and he says to me, look, I want you to know that there, there's no food, but tell me, and I was you know, the apparent Jew on the plane, so sitting in business class. So he says, as if everybody behind me were my people, he says to me, what can you people eat? What can your people eat? So I said, you know, we can eat fruits and vegetables. I have to, you know, I have to give it to them because within nanoseconds, two big boxes of fruits and vegetables were brought onto the plane. It was amazing. Then the guy tells me the reason that there's no kosher food is because th- there was an outbreak of some kind of, um, you know, disease in the food and therefore they have to find a new purveyor of food. Okay. I asked the guy, when did that happen? I said weeks ago. Weeks ago, I said, if something went down in your in your tray for catering, how many seconds would it have taken for you to find a new food purveyor? You know, I, I thought it was weird that that they weren't doing this for us. Okay, good. Plane takes off. I can eat as many vegetables as I want. Most of them were raw and they needed to be cooked, but it didn't make a difference. It was a box of vegetables. Then the stewardess comes over to me and she says, "You'll probably want to fill out one of these." And it was a complaint form. And I said, I do want to fill out one of those. As I'm filling it out, I said to her, you know, I don't understand. Why, why is it taking so long to find another caterer? So she leans in as if she's about to tell me a state secret. And she says, 
I, I have to be honest with you. This, by the way, there is no guzma in this whatsoever. She leans in and she says to me that since the food went down, when we go around and we tell people, we don't have your kosher food, but we do have non-kosher food and vegetarian, so many of them say, oh, okay, I'll take one of those. My company doesn't feel that if it's not important to the Jewish people to have kosher food, then why should it be important to us? And that was such a powerful lesson to me, that when we portray ourselves in a certain way, you know, it's the grasshopper theory. It's the old, by the Miraglim, that we, we were in our eyes, we were grasshoppers because, and therefore in their eyes, we were grasshoppers because we felt like grasshoppers. They saw us as grasshoppers. If we feel like royalty and we act like royalty, that's the way the world will look at us. But if we feel like, if we feel subhuman, if we feel like criminals, if we're always trying to cut a line and to, and to find a, a way to knetch out of something, that's the way they're going to see us. And therefore, the way we're portrayed in the world, the way we're portrayed by our children, the way that we're portrayed by our peers, by the people around us, is very much dictated by the way that we feel about ourselves. And that's, that's how I always related to this Vardav Rebchaim, that the, the way you see yourself, the way you portray yourself, that is going to make all the difference in the world. And when you see, you know, when you see a student failing, when you see, I mean, you see somebody who's not successful. So besides the fact you have to work on some, some very important details, but you have to work on making them feel that they are someone that they are, they are valuable, they are important, and it's amazing, a person who feels that way, what they can actually accomplish. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a really, really uh, fine line as well, the way you understand it, which I don't disagree with you, that it's important that you recognize and realize how you're portraying you know, what you wear and who you are and um, it, how you act as a portrayal, but Judaism and our relationship with God is not about how we portray it to everyone else. To go back to your story with the child, which was you, the reason why you don't throw rocks on Shabbos is not because people are driving by and watching. It's a tool to get your son not to, but it, you know, the, and this, this is where it ties to Yonah, which is any idea you want to say here, you have to say that this idea of Nachbados is a tool because if it becomes the Iker and it becomes like we spoke about Iker and Tafel, right? Once it becomes, once it becomes the, the reason why and the motivation behind the mitzvot, then then you've crossed the line. Then you're too far. You're, you're only doing it because of the betrayal, not because of the essence of the thing. Right. So it might be easier to have this discussion if you take out the Isser Shebedavar. Take out the prohibition. Forget about a prohibition, but that if you want people to respect you, so then you need to act respectfully. So go back to the story of, of, of me in the, in the thing. Forget about the fact that I was throwing stones on Shabbos. Even if I was just standing on things and climbing a little bit, which is no isser for that. Right. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. It's just not respectful within, with, within that context to the people that are building this building. I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not, I'm not harming anything, but, but at the end of the day, it, people are going to get the wrong impression of what a Jewish person is. And therefore you have to portray the royalty in order for people to get that. I, I was once telling somebody this idea um, from Reb Chaim. 
um, about you know the, the way we the, the way we act is is most often based on you know how we view ourselves as opposed to what's right or wrong, and you know therefore you should build up these habits and 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 you know think of yourself in a certain way, and and this person who had who's a ben Torah ben yeshiva and and he, this idea almost was antithetical to him because he felt like no you do things because they're right or wrong not because you're used to doing it not because you you built that like in yourself it's just because you you you, you learned through it and you decided like this is the halacha and this is what we follow, and and he was like very bothered by this idea. Until a few months later, he sent me a uh, audio recording of Rav Leichter, um, who said that you, you, a person needs to have for themselves a personal, um, a personal culture of what they do and what they don't do. And I, I oh, found yeah. that just to be an amazing, just to be an amazing word, like the concept, like you, you have a personal culture. We obviously talk about, you know, the, there's, there's pop culture and, and, and there's cultured things. And then you can also have the culture, the from culture. Um, which is sometimes just defined by what a lot of people do. But it's more important to have your own culture. Like, this is what I do. This is something that's below me. This is something that I, I aspire to because this is what I do. And Revelation said a story with, uh, I believe it was, if it was um, the Ali Shur, that the Revolbe, that um, he said one time somebody tried handing him something and he wouldn't take it. And it, it, he wanted him to just hold on to something for a second. He wouldn't take it. And, and he asked him why. And he said, because he just he wouldn't touch things that didn't belong to him. Because he never wanted to come into a situation where he would possibly be a mazik. He would damage something or steal something that wasn't his. And he just he, he just worked on that to the point where he never even used something that wasn't his so that he would never come into that situation. And I find that to be to, to, to have been, first of all, just enlightening in, in, in that but I think that it's also an amazing way of staying away from doing Averos, an way, amazing way of keeping um, your, your life where you're not battling the Yetzirah at every turn, where you're saying that, that like, should I do this? Should I not do this? It's just, I just don't. I, I just don't. I'm not, I don't put myself in that situation where I stay away from the edge of the cliff, where I'm not even fighting, where I'm just, this is just what I'm used to doing. Um, and I found that to be to be you know different to, to to be a different way of looking at it and and really helpful in being able to let's say stay away from areas or really also doing the right thing. Terrific! It's what you were saying before. It's a tool, and it's it's got to be used as a tool. It's not the it's not the main reason, but it's a tool that helps you that helps you accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. Because sometimes our our own our own compass or our own strength is not enough. To be able to stop us from something, but when we when it's it's a violation of our culture, so then that keeps us in. You know, they say by Noach that the the Noach comes out of the flood, and what's the first thing Noach does? He builds a bar. He opens up a pub. B A R. Say again. A bar. I thought you said a bar. I was like, no, no, no that's not bar. the story. Right? No, he didn't build a pit. <laughs> no, not my Noach. <laughs> He builds he builds a bar and he and he and you know he, he produces wine he gets drunk. What are you talking about? How, how did that happen to him? And if he's building, or so they say, because he was so depressed about what happened, watching everybody die, that he built a bar. Well, he, he wasn't depressed before. 120 years he's building, hacking, clapping, building a, a boat, and nobody cares. You know, that was enough to make you depressed. So what happened now? So what happened now is is that there were no neighbors. See, up until up until the flood, there were neighbors. And Noach was in East Sadiq, Tomei the Rosov. But you know what? Sadikim also, they waver. 
And so they can also sometimes have hard moments, but they, they have to rely on other things to keep their culture. And you know what? What are the neighbors going to say? What are people going to say? You, we don't do that's not our main motivation. That's not why we do things. But at the end of the day, it helps keep me in check. And when there are no neighbors, look what happened. He went, he went from the top to the bottom because there were no neighbors. We don't do things because we want people to look at us and say, oh, that's royalty. Right. Such a but sensitive line, the, but... But at the end of the day, we need it sometimes to remind us to stay true to what we believe is important. Right. I think it's it, that's the the nakuda. That's the point. It's it's not that I'm worried about what other people are going to say. It's that this is where I've set myself compared to other people in other people's view, and I want to retain that because that's how I can keep that as a reminder for myself. It's not that I'm worried about what other people are going to say. Is that this is what I, the standard that I've that's raised it. myself to, and which is interesting because that you were talking before about Chinuch and your father. People have asked me, um, you know, how, how did you end up being being you know normal, which I guess is a relative assuming, term, yeah. yeah, assuming a lot assumptions, but, yeah. yeah. How did you end up being normal growing up in a community that you know was was not necessarily the Makom Torah as other places are, and and you know the, the track record of, of growing up, let's say, in a place like that of, of being a rabbi's kid. Um, having that stigma is is not necessarily the the, the best way to, to to raise a child and to and to end up you know being in, in a good place. So I've been asked this question like how did you how did you end up um, you know end up good? And I, I I developed an answer where I said that my father never pressured us because we were the rabbi's kids. We were never pressured as you have to come to Shacharis because what are people going to say? What are, you know I'm the rabbi and if pe- my kids aren't showing up then then people are going to say bad things about me and I, and I can't have that. And it was never about him. It was just this is what we do. We dominate chakras the minion. Like this, this just some, that's just what a from person does, and therefore that was something that we do as a from person. But it was never placed upon us, and it was never said like you, you have to do this because of what other people are going to say. But it's just this is just what we do, and I think that that is, is similar to this idea that Rebbe is bringing out. This is just what you do. This is your personal culture. This is what we do, without thinking too much, without worrying about what other people are going to say, but just keeping in conscious and saying this is what my personal culture is. This is what I do. And then I can develop that into into you know who I become. It's always hard how you give that over to the and we spoke like a few stories spoke to this, but how do you give that? In our conversation, Yona usually goes to this that how in the world do you teach us to children seven, eight, nine, or six, seven, eight, nine, and how do you teach us to teenagers, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen? How do you teach us to young adults, twenty one, twenty five? How do you teach us the thirty year olds, sixty year olds? It's it but you know, teaching this over um, is so hard. So I think that the main answer they always give you is that you have to model it. It's not something you can right. say. It's something you have to model. That's what I feel. I, the answer to that question, Yona, that you said, how do we come out half normal? And again, it's I'm not trying to flatter, just saying the reality by me is always at this, this one time we went, it must have been two o'clock in the morning. I think it was after, I don't know when, it was, it was around some chag and we went to go get milk. And we, we were halfway down to Ralph's and daddy didn't have his hat and jacket. And he turned around, drove back up, and went down. And it was like, we're getting milk. And it's Ralph's it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? This is this is how the Rav um, is. I, I You know, people look at me in this sort of way. I have to act like this. Because there's Nechbadas. And if I do it like this, I'll act like this. And that's an important an important message. And that that's what always stuck in my mind. Was that kind of like Nechbadas, that covet, that self-respect. 
of going to the store to get milk, wearing what you usually wear is a not in sweats and a t-shirt is um is 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 the lesson. So to give that over, modeling is always always going to work the best. We, we all three understand that, and jacket is not really the essence of, of correct you know, correct of that story. I understand but, that right. Obviously, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that it, I am able to transcend the the what it right. was to to what you were saying by doing that. But, but that's the whole point. That the, the the whole point is is the the stand the way you portray yourself, the way you see yourself, is ultimately the way you portray yourself, and and that's what's critical, and that's what and that's what keeps you in that you see yourself as this kind of person, and I think that that's you asked how you, how you give this to a 15 year old, how you give this. You, you have to develop for them how they see themselves. You know, by, by, by discussing it, by modeling it, cool. by talking about it, that this is who we are. This is, this is our identity. This is our definition. We don't, we don't do Shabbos. We celebrate Shabbos. We love Shabbos. Shabbos is awesome. You, you, have, to, you have to be very conscious Again, of what they're of how they're identifying with their observance and identifying with their um, with their connections, and when you when it's pushed to you that this is who you are, you don't battle with that. You 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 try to protect that. You know that's that's a Bechira point thing, right? This right? Uh, this this touches everything exactly. Yeah, because you have to you have to set it as the culture. This is who we are. We're honest people. We're honest people. And therefore, an honest person doesn't do something like that. We don't. We don't grapple with it. Like exactly what you're saying in the beginning. You know, we don't grapple with it. We don't. We don't worry about it. We don't even think. Oh, maybe I should flip the. You know, flip flip the chant on because it just fell off. We wouldn't even. It wouldn't even be part of a dilemma for us because we have identified ourselves as people that that you know that that keep Shabbos or that are that that are careful that would never would never do something that like that. I think that um, in Chinuch, you know, obviously with your kids, but just in, in, in the classroom, also an important way of, of teaching this to people besides sort of the modeling is, is bringing them up to the place where they can realize that they are, they are Shaykh, that, that this level that they perceive you at of your self-respect is possible for them too. Cool. Because often they, the, the, the main reason for people not having, you know, this self-esteem, this self-respect is that they don't think it's possible. Like, I, I'm just a little kid. I'm, I, what do I know? I mean, even though most teenagers think they know everything, but, you know, they, they, they think like, okay, that's like for them. And it's not really for me. I'm not like that special. I'm not that hush of, and then, and like, so I can do all of these the other things too, but I think to bring them into this world and to have your world open to them to say that you're, this is possible for you also. Um, it's not just something that I'm sitting here on my high tower believing in myself like this, but this type of self-respect is something that, that is possible for you also is, is more than just modeling it. But I think you have to tell that to them and bring them into that world and show them what, that it really is possible for them to, to live it and, and be like that too. And the sense of pride that this is what I have, that we are lucky people that we have these things. And it's that we are not to be a yid. It's kishmak to be a yid, but that's but that's this it. has to. Yeah. It's got to pour out of you, and that's what that's what touches your talmidim. That wow, this is this is something special. You can't tell a fifteen-year-old that he's the luckiest guy in the world because he has to wake up at six o'clock in the morning in daven, but he can see that everything around him 
is that it's that the, the attitude is not that we have to do this. The attitude is that we are lucky to be able to do this. We're not doing misses because we're trying to get points in front of God, because this is the best way for a human being to live. And that's what you have to figure out how to portray that. That gives a person a sense of a sense of pride of being a pride of being a yid pride of being a, 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 a teriyid. And that pride is going to help them, you know, develop themselves and, and pull things out of themselves. Right. I was, I was once in Costco and I was, uh, I don't even remember which aisle I was in. And I was accosted by a, an older gentleman holding a box of matzah. It was around Pesach time. He, and he's twenty six ninety nine for a pound of matzah. He was like so upset. I'm like, you're in Costco buying matzah in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> you you could buy matzah in Costco. Probably also not twenty six ninety nine for a pound. It was probably like twenty six ninety nine for like four pounds because it was Costco. <laughs> it, it was it was like it's amazing how how he had this view that like everything was like negative and and schwer to be a yid instead of saying like wow I can keep Pesach by like just going to Costco and I can, I can get this stuff and be able to to share that. With with your with your talmidim and with your family that that you're lucky to be able right. to, to, to experience it is is really Schwartz is an yid. destroyed an entire generation of Jews because that's the opposite of nichbados. Right, right. This, that that is what happened exactly. This stinks. I, I got to do it. I don't have a choice, but it really stinks. Yeah, very good. You feel terrible about it. Why would you keep it? And, and your kid looks at it and says, I don't want to live a stinky life. I want to live a happy life. So if Mitzvah is stinky, I'm out of here. I don't know where this will fit in what we were saying, but there is also in this idea that people do what they usually do without thinking. And they're usually, they build up these habits and the things that they do. Um, and, and it can be used, as we were saying, a tool for the good, to be able to, to continuously do good things. I, I notice this a lot also in the negative that, that people often will do things just, they're not thinking that they're doing an Avera. They're not thinking that they're doing something. They, they just want to, it's like almost a comfort thing. Like this is who I am. This is what I do. I've had this, you know, we, we have a, a wide um, array of students coming into our yeshiva, really from all different types of backgrounds. We're a local yeshiva and, and, you know, we have all different types. And there are some students who, are, who I try to talk to them about, maybe they shouldn't be involved in certain things. And they just look at me and be like, this is who I am. And I, I find it interesting that like they would define themselves either by their clothing, let's say like I, I, I wear sneakers, like I'm a, I, I define myself by wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And I find that interesting that like how, how you figure that out as a self-definition of, of, of who you are, as opposed to saying, I'm not what I wear. I am who I am inside and what I'm what I'm shy to what, I, what I'm capable of becoming. And I find that people often will do things based on their own self-definition, will do things harming themselves just because that's how they view themselves. So if it can be used for the negative, it can certainly be used for the good also. And that's really what Chinuch is about, to try to develop that positive sense of you. That's and it. And say, look at how lucky we are to be Jewish, to be able to do good things, and not that this is a negative thing working against us. Right. It's a lot of work about who are you really. Right. Get rid of your shoes. Let's get rid of your shirts. Let's get rid of all the external things. Who are you really? And identify yourself. Figure that out. And now live true to that identity. And that you can help a, you can help a student develop in themselves of who am I really? Awesome, amazing! Thank you very much, Yona, for joining us. And yes, the uh, yeah. um, 
through the through the screen here. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. Remember that your feedback is always helpful. We've been getting good feedback. Um, send us an email at intentionaljew at gmail.com. You could reach myself and Rabbi Wogelanter there, the father. And um, we would love to hear what you think about this. I think this conversation brings joy. Um, you see a little bit of, you, you see from this conversation a little bit of uh, what goes on in my head, what I think about why this is so wide ranging and touch, touches almost everything in my life. And I think this conversation brings joy to Chaim that uh, he planted a little seed and we see that it's still ringing true and it's still, we're still grappling with it and using it and trying to figure out how to use the tool the best. And I hope that this brings a little bit of conversation to your Shabbos table um, that you can bring up to your family. Why do we do things? And you can get to the core and be introspective about that. So uh, as always, have a great Shabbos and uh, rock on guys. Mm-hmm.